Hello and welcome to the PLUS podcast. How should you best arrange oranges in a box to make sure that you can squeeze in as many oranges as possible? It's a question that already exercised Johannes Kepler back in the 17th century. And Kepler also suggested a solution. He said that in the limit, as the box gets larger and larger, the best way of stacking up those oranges is in a pyramid shape, as you often see in shops or greengrocers. However, a mathematical proof that this really is the best way of stacking up the oranges didn't arrive until 1998. And when it comes to stacking up higher dimensional oranges in higher dimensional spaces, the problem of how to best do this, in general, is still open. It's called the sphere packing problem. This month we met Marina Vyasovska, who made a breakthrough in the theory of sphere packings back in 2016. We met her at a conference and during a coffee break she gave us a quick explanation of her work. She started out by defining the sphere packing problem. Yeah, so it's one of the classical geometric problems and uh, so the problem is that suppose that you have a very big box and a supply of uh, spheres and just to make this uh, problem mathematically easier, let's suppose that spheres are all equal. And so we tried so they were equally of, uh, have equal size and also hard. So we cannot squeeze them, so they, they pre pre preserve their shape. And so we, did, we put as many spheres as we can into this box and also somehow again to make our life just easier. Of course, if we take on concrete box and everything will also something will depend on the shape of it, will have some border effects. But it's too difficult for mathematicians. We always try to idealize our problems. So what we do, we just take a very, very big box. And so the, then somehow it's intuitively clear, uh, but mathematically maybe not. Uh, actually, one needs to work a little bit to see this, uh, that we will have some sort of same maximal possible density. And so if our box is very big, then the, our answer about the number of maximal number of spheres, it will only depend on the volume of the box. And so the question is how, how to find this constant, the best packing constant. And so we have made so many simplifications to our problem. Now we have to compensate for it. And to compensate for it, let's consider not only three-dimensional boxes, but boxes of any dimension. And then in any dimension, we will have some answer. And uh, uh, so like, maybe. What's the answer in dimensions two and three? Which are the ones? So in dimension in? two, it's uh, like the best packing is this honeycomb packing. If you imagine a bee's hive, and of course in bee's hive, every I don't know what's an English word for it. Like every every, every cell, it's actually it's a hexagon, but we could somehow imagine that it's not a hexagon, but rather a, a small disk. And then we can pack disks like this, and then this way we'll cover like slightly more than ninety percent of the area by these equally sized disks. And then in dimension three. And in dimension packing... three, this was known as a Kepler conjecture, so it remained open for. Yeah, almost 300 years, and uh, uh, in dimension three we actually don't have only one best packing. We have many diff equally good packings, but one of them you can uh, see on the market when you stack oranges in the pyramids. So this is the densest possible way to stack. What's the density there? And the density is about 74 percent. So it's already going down. Yeah, it is. Density. Yes, yes. And when dimension is bigger, then uh, of course. 
uh, here somehow we don't have actual physical objects to pack in higher dimensions, but this problem it still plays important role. For example, in signal signal transmission, so this problem is known as a, sort of like very good dense configurations. Uh, they are known as error correcting codes. So even though it seems to be a purely mathematical question, it does play a role in our every everyday life. Yeah. And then, of course, the bigger the dimension is, then smaller is the density. Uh -huh. So now you proved um, the, you found that density that's been yes. packing constant in dimensions 8 and 24. Mm. Um, so what is special about these two dimensions? Uh, so here, like everybody asks this, and I don't know, it's a mystery. Why, why are they so special? Because in these dimensions, we have those two... Uh, extremely great configurations, which we don't find in any other dimensions, and so yeah, those two configurations are so good that our like, method, which fails in all other dimensions, in these dimensions it gives a sharp estimate. And if you ask me why, I I don't know. So in the dimension eight, you centered the balls on the points of the E8 lattice, yes. and in 24 on the Leech lattice. Was that an approach that had already? Had people already thought about them as, as possible, you know? Yeah, yeah, so I think for a long time actually this was not a surprise. It's like everybody yeah. believed that this is the best. And uh, like the result of uh, Con and Elkis, they, what it, it was, it was like if there is something which is better than yeah. the eight lattice, it can be only like one thousandth better. The sphere packing constant in dimension 8 is around 0.25 which means that you can fill around 25% of eight-dimensional space with hyperspheres, as higher-dimensional spheres are called. In dimension 24, the constant is around 0.002, which means that you can fill only around 0.2% of 24-dimensional space with hyperspheres. Vyasovska proved these results using an approach that's also used in physics and astronomy, and which involves a special kind of magic function. We asked her what that magic function does. Yeah, so this uh, function somehow it uh, tells us about like what is the possible st statistics for pairwise distances between points and configuration. Oh, okay. So we have our configuration, it's some yes, it's like eight dimensional, 24 dimensional configuration, it's quite, uh, yeah. there are some nice geometric descriptions of it, but it's complicated. But now what we do, uh, we somehow uh, remember only, we count, we look what are the possible distances between points and also count the number of uh, pairs of points at given distance. Mm -hmm. And so of course we can do all this rigorously mathematically and so we collect this information and then we forget about everything else. We forget all the other geometry of the lattice. We remember only this, also in, there is I think a term which is also used sometimes in physics and in astronomy which calls like this a pairwise correlation function. Mm -hmm. So astronomers also do it. They look at the stars, they compute the distances between different stars and then forget about everything about the, the mm -hmm. geometry of space and remember only the statistics of pairwise distances. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that these uh, statistics, it uh, has to satisfy certain restrictions. So there are certain positivity re restrictions on them. So we can, if you just say, okay, so I want to have so many stars at this distance and so many stars at this distance and so many stars at that distance, it might be simply not, not possible to realize this in, uh, in space. And there are certain inequalities which though this uh, pairwise correlation functions have to satisfy. And one of those, uh, and somehow the function which I had to construct, somehow it fills, it fills those constraints. 
So in those two dimensions, 8 and 24, you can, those statistical constraints about pairwise distances and how points are related to each other, they can be satisfied and therefore you can get a uh, yeah, sharp yeah, yeah, result. Yes, 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 so there, there, there is some, yes, it's like there are many, many, many inequalities this uh, statistics has to satisfy in order to, uh, to have actual configuration. And actually we don't know all of them, and well, theoretically we do know all of those inequalities, but describing them is quite difficult. Mm -hmm. Because somehow if you do all of them, then we could also solve the sphere breaking problem, or if we could use it effectively. But here what we do is somehow, we have like two rather simple conditions. So again, we take, so we already did some simplifications on, on, on our way. Uh, but here we give, we give like additional simplification. So from all those inequalities which we can think about, it's quite difficult to keep track of all of them, we keep essentially like two, two most important ones. It means that somehow that's like first the number of like points at given distance, it has to be positive or at least not negative, it's obvious. But now what we can do, we can take a Fourier transform of this distribution and it again has to be non-negative. So. Mm -hmm. And um, how, what's the outlook for other dimensions? Yeah, for other dimensions, uh, so it seems like this uh, method of Kohn and Elkis, it gives some bound, but this bound is not optimal. Uh, so one hope is to, as I tell you, like, because we actually for this correlation function, we have actually more, we have more inequalities which I did not use. So one way to go would be to use those additional equalities, and this is something which is called a semi-definite programming. Are you working uh, on that? Uh, I'm working, but it's, it's not all that easy. And there is another way, which is also somehow maybe we should actually use the geometry, maybe this uh, way of saying that well, let's abandon all the geometry and think only about free analysis. Maybe for some dimensions it's not such a fruitful idea. Maybe in other dimensions we can actually do the geometry, come back. Or yeah. maybe some combination of methods, because we do have method of uh, uh, Feierstoss and uh, Thomas Hales, which is actually very geometric. On the other hand, we have this more algebraic method, linear programming, semi-definite programming. So probably in other dimensions, it should be a combination in order to make, uh, so to say, to make the solution feasible. Because I think somehow one could try to do exactly the, to follow for the strategy of Thomas Hales in uh, other dimensions. And, but here the main problem is that the, the amount of computations would be huge. And, does, um, and with the other dimensions, are there similarly, with the, with the method that gave the, the upper bounds, the cohen mm. elkes method, does that give packings that in other dimensions that they, that they think are good, and, but they just don't know if they're optimal? Yes, like, uh, the, this method it doesn't give packings, it gives right. only the lower bound. Okay. Uh, but in, in other dimensions, the, we know there are like, certain configurations we know that are good and people keep record of it. And I think in small dimensions, like up to 10, people are quite confident that the configurations which we think are the best, they have to be the best. Mm. Of course, when dimension becomes bigger, then our confidence also decreases. And yeah. I was thinking it decreases exponentially <laughs> <laughs> because it's so d difficult to exhaust all the possibilities. Oh, thank you so much. Okay, thanks. Really that was great. Yeah. Thank you very thank much. You. That's it for this Plus podcast. You can find an article we wrote based on our interview with Vyazovska on the Plus website at plus.maths.org. From me, Marianne Freiberger, and from my co-editor at Plus, Rachel Thomas, goodbye.